Te tuka te moana. The rock standing in the ocean. E nā hau e whao te motu ki a koutou nō tā wāhi, ko tēnei te wāhanga o te ahikā, ko Maraia Rakaraku ahau. Ko Justin Maria ahau, this is Te Ahikā, our weekly show giving you an insight into ngā kaupapa Māori, Māori stories from around the motu and at times abroad. Swimming against the tide becomes an exhilarating experience. It makes you strong. I am completely without fear now. Those were the words of Mirata Mita, who died this past week. We hear from one of her friends, fellow filmmaker Robert Poufari. He started first of all with Kohau, with Mirata presenting, um, you know, 10 minutes on a Sunday, and then it grew to about 15 minutes, and um, we were given ghetto times, and then Te Karere came, I was, um, we brought about political pressure to bring the Karere on, which started off like two minutes in a translation of the Parker news. So it was a many years of conflict and um, uh, you know, political activism to force uh, Television New Zealand to extend the program, to also increase the number of people uh, being brought in to be trained and be eventually um, helped to, uh, um, to, to establish a separate Māori department within um, television. Now, Merita was, um, you know, extremely uh, valuable member of that of that team. Inspiring creativity through poetry was the recipe of the date when three Wellington-based poets visited schools in Fakatane last month. Supported and organised by Toi Māori, Troy Hunt, Tara Akio Rudolph, and Rawiri James have their own unique style of poetry, each with its own point of difference. As Justine found out when she checked out one of their Wellington performances. My other poems are inspired by very strong women in my life. Um, my mother, my, my best friend's mother, my best friend, my, my, all of my aunties. I've got numerous aunties and they are all a really strong influence on my, my poetry. Mm. Tara Akio Rudolph coming up later in Te Ahika. Back in the 90s, Otaki-based group Iwi hit the airwaves with their Te Reo Māori songs. And then they just seemed to phase out near Justine. So what better way to find out what happened than talking with its former frontman, Kimo Winiata. The, the bigger you, you sort of get, the more different Fakaro comes in. and then, Dynamics change. Yeah, so then next minute, you know, ka amu amu titi, you know, there's some people that start complaining about stuff and not showing up to gigs. So did it and, shift away from the original kaupapa and mindset yes. of what iwi was? Yeah, it, it definitely did, and, and, um, and that was one of the sad things. Kimo Winiata coming up, plus you'll hear a few of the old school iwi songs too. Koe ranga kaupapa e whaiake nei. Ko I like a hard edge because there's so many soft edges and there's so much compromise. And, uh, I mean, compromise is part of, um, of, you know, being colonial. You have to compromise to survive in many ways. And we're, we're often too hard, you know, on our own people in saying so-and-so was a sellout and, and, and all that. Very hard on our own. And... Um, as far as possible, we try hard to maintain um, a level of integrity um, that is part of being Māori and telling Māori stories and trying to bring those to the screen. 
But, you know, somewhere on the, along the way, there isn't a filmmaker in Aotearoa who's Māori who hasn't had to compromise. You either have to have a Pākehā um, producer or, you know, some kind of uh, monitor in your filmmaking because that's the way the funding organisations generally behave, that um, someone has to be put there who's invariably white because they've had all the advantages and all the experience to become accredited producers. And uh, so far we haven't had that um, privilege or that luxury to be able to have producers who have the same kind of um, accreditation in the industry. So, you know, somewhere along the line we have to... Um, um, take on, bo on board that person that makes us doesn't f not feel very good about ourselves. It's a fact of life. And I think that as long as we work hard, you know, to maintain the integrity, to fight for the things that are important in a project is very important. I can let go of a lot of small things, but there are some things where I will draw the line. And um, if I see... Um, a project losing its integrity or Māori people um, being made to look bad or negative in some way, try very hard to, um, to keep that to the forefront of any project I work on. But if I see those things um, um, being trampled over, I'm inclined not to finish the project. Mm. And that's hard, and people say, oh, that's irresponsible because of the money and so on and people who invest in this and that. But I, I, I can't agree with that because there is so much, there have been so many projects that have been negative about Māori people and about the images on screen. And it's one thing that I'm, you know, I'm determined not to give way to. It's not a... Um, it's becoming less and less a problem, I think. But um, and there are more and more Māori filmmakers who, who I think, in time, will gain the autonomy that they're trying to earn now, mm. which should help. But you know, you have to be forever vigilant. It's not as soon as we relax in something, or as soon as we think, oh well, we'll have so and so. You know, that Parker can work on it because. Um, um, They've done good work for us in the past, or um, we've worked with them before, therefore they've become acceptable. You give way on that, and then you find your project being taken over by them. And, um, you know, I've, I've always had problem with that. You work with people, you teach them things, you let them into your culture, and you think that what's going on is an exchange, that you're exchanging these wonderful cultural insights for skills, say in editing or mm. in um, camera, in the camera department. But um, it's been much less of an exchange and more of taking. I know very few um, technicians who have worked with Māori who will acknowledge how much they have learnt mm. from the Māori they've worked with. It's always the other way around, that we should have, you know, that we were given more, that we gained more, and that, um, uh, you know, we were given much more than what they gained from us on a cultural level. And over the years I realised what bloody nonsense that is. You know, they've been given um, insights into a culture, into the sacred aspects of a culture. 
and should be therefore as appreciative of that as we are of the skills that we've learned from the Pākehā that we've worked with. Mm. God, it's a, such an uphill battle just to come to that level of understanding. But mm. hang on, this, there was more of an exchange going on here um, you know, than you're just taking, and that you did learn something of it from us. You didn't just give us all those skills and that we were you know, this unappreciative native mm. lot that didn't bow down and say thank you, thank you, thank you over and over again. And in fact, I don't do it anymore. We've been listening to the voice of Ngāti Pikiao Ngaiterangi filmmaker Mirata Mita, who died earlier this week. That's right. And what a wahine man. She made documentaries about issues in this country that no one wanted to know about at the time, like Patsu, about the Springbok tour of 1981. Day 507, about the occupation of Takaparafa, Bastion Point, when the people of Ngāti Whātua, under the leadership of Joe Hawke, were being dragged off their land by police to make way for houses, that happened in 1978. There was a feature film, Māori, first ever made by Wahine Māori, and get this, just over 20 years ago. There was all her lecturing and mentoring work she did with Māori writers, students, filmmakers, her Indigenous networks she built up over the years and the relationships she established when she was in Hawaii. You know, she did so much for the industry. She did so much for Wahine Māori. Aira, tikatau. Now, in a few weeks' time, we'll do a more extensive profile on Mirata. But for now, he's one of her dearest friends. Ko Robert Pauwharia hau, no Ngāti Hakapatuheu heu, ko nai tūhoe tewi. Well, I first met uh, Merata in the late 70s uh, when we were uh, involved in um, political activity around Bastion Point and um, uh, uh, the uh, land issues with Eva Rickard at Raglan. And um, she was involved with the Ngātamatoa uh, group here in Auckland and we were involved with the Ngāta Matoa and Te Reo Māori Society chapters in Wellington and um, <clears throat> uh, in 1980 uh, we became involved uh, Merata uh, a man called uh, Sawan Muru um, later on we were joined by Pere Maitai Reiwaru uh, we were a group of people who started the first uh, dedicated Māori program on television New Zealand, Koha. That's how we first met her. She was the presenter on Koha. And, uh, you know, I've heard some comments in, in the media <clears throat> about, about the program uh, that, you know, people didn't want to work on it because it was essentially a program aimed at the wider viewing audiences as that is the bar viewing audience. Um, and that was true. That was the ideology of the, of the program at that time. But I just wanted to put on the record how extremely difficult it was uh, to produce and make programs uh, for that because the, the head of the uh, department uh, was implacably opposed to making programs from a Māori perspective. He did insist that the programs were made for a wider viewing audience. Uh, therein um, lay uh, the conflicts for all of us 
we had joined uh, Television New Zealand to make programs for our people. And it took many, many years um, to change that around. We started, first of all, on, with Koha, with Merata presenting, um, you know, 10 minutes on a Sunday, and then it grew to about 15 minutes, and um, we were given ghetto times, and then the Karere came, uh, was, um, we brought about political pressure to bring the Karere on, which started off like two minutes in a translation of the Pākehā news. So it was a many years of conflict and um, uh, you know, political activism to force uh, Television New Zealand to extend the program, to also increase the number of people uh, being brought in to be trained, and we eventually um, helped to, uh, um, to, to establish a separate Māori department within um, television. Now, Merita was... Um, you know, extremely uh, valuable member of that of that team. It's fair to say that we were working within a hostile environment. Um, in those days, uh, you know, the horses and the dogs had better times. Uh, the horse races had, and the dog races had better time on television than than Māori did. Mm. You know, we were ghettoised to Sunday uh, viewing time, Sunday mornings, Sunday nights. Nobody was watching. Nothing's it, really changed, Robert. Well, I totally agree. You know, it took us it took us twenty years. I mean, years and years to get to the point where we had, um, you know, established um, a slot on television and an established slot for for the Karere. It took you know twenty, thirty years to grow, for, grow it from the Karere, for instance, from two minutes to fifteen minutes. Um, there was this huge resistance within uh, Television New Zealand. Uh, and particularly in the higher echelons of t- television New Zealand, to um, including Māori perspectives in the Māori worldview and Māori programs on the uh, schedule. And um, so, but what I remember about Merata is that she was extremely beautiful, extremely vivacious, an extremely um, courageous person. She, you know, she took 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 them on um, and took the power culture on. Uh, within Television New Zealand. Um, You know, when we first started, our first producer uh, with Merata, our first producer was brought brought on from um, Praise B. And then as we got established on the schedule, uh, when we set up the department, our next producer was brought on from, uh, the head of our area was brought on from... um, uh, the, the wrestling program on the mat, and, and in those days we were trying to get programs made about Waitangi Day and you know the Treaty of Waitangi, and they were extremely resistant. Uh, Television New Zealand was extremely hostile to those ideas. Now, um, you know, in the, at the same time we we're trying to p- produce um, documentaries. You know, the technology was new to us, and it was very, very stressful and extremely. Um, a stressful time when I listened to some of the reports that are coming out from some filmmakers who said, oh, they didn't want to work on that program because it wasn't a Māori program. You know, um, I, my mind goes back to um, to our team, and it was a team in those days. There was Merata, as I said, uh, very skilled um, uh, television and, and documentary maker. Then there was... Um, uh, Sawan Muru, who was extremely skilled, and had the real and 
They had a huge uh, background in uh, broadcasting as well as in the arts. So, and he made some really excellent documentaries as well. You know, it was, uh, it was always a battle. I recall when we first started, uh, one of our producers told us that we were not to go out. And, in fact, it was the head of the department. We were not to go out and make programs in the Maori language. That was the, those were the, you know, the constraints that were put on us at that time. So, um, you know, I guess it's, it speaks to the um, power relationships between uh, Māori and Pākehā in those days and the huge resistance that the power culture put up to having a Māori voice um, in there. And Merita was there, she was presenting the programme. I mean, it was huge pressure on her as the presenter. You know, uh, at the same time, I mean, we had fun. You know, she was really funny and had a wonderful, wicked sense of humour. That twinkle in that eye. Yes, and she <laughs> was a uh, wonderful company in um, because, you know, she could sing. She had a, an amazing voice. And, um, yeah, so she she come from this, you know, teaching background and and involved in politics and eventually got into television and then moved into the film area. She ended up, uh, you know, uh, producing uh, Modi and writing that. And, and that wasn't all uh, hunky-dory either. I mean, she had huge problems um, on Modi. I, and I recall that um, she basically sacked the, 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 the film crew with some uh, differences. And, and it took some time to um, rescue the whole project. Don Selwyn, for instance, was pivotal um, in our development, all of us, he was involved in the drama area. Um, and so um, he was brought in to help rescue uh, Modi, which eventually, and, um, and he had a profound um, impact on her as well. And she became involved with Jeff Murphy, and he had a huge impact um, on, on her, and, which then led her into the film world. Um, and he was brought on to eventually help her <clears throat> complete uh, Modi, and um, and that went on to critical acclaim in uh, various festivals around the world. Yeah, so she moved on into film, um, and she, uh, you know, she she did Hort, she produced the program um, around Ralph Hortley. She was she was involved with. Um, Jeff Murphy on the movie called Spooked, you know, um, yeah. and that was in 2004. And she was involved in the in most recent times with um, Taika Waititi's uh, box office smash bar boy. I recently saw Merata, or oh, in the last few years, uh, she was uh, lecturing over in Hawaii at the University of Hawaii, and she was lecturing in... Um, you know, film studies. Yeah, so she was a, a very powerful influence on um, Māori television and telling Māori stories from a Māori perspective and had a huge impact in the film world. So she's going to be greatly, greatly missed. Well, you know, in those days, we were still a pretty much a divided country. You know, with Patu, for instance... Um, I remember when we were all involved in the um, demonstrations that, you know, the, the, the catch cry in those days was that, you know, politics should be separate from a sport. You know, uh, there's no room for politics and sport. Well, of course, we all knew that was absolute rubbish. You know, we had a history of 
Māori has been excluded from tours of South Africa, and uh, you know, and and you know, and in fact, um, I actually spoke with um, with Mandela, and he was extremely grateful that uh, Māoris and New Zealanders, fair-minded New Zealanders, who were involved in the protest and um, enforced the um, the the whole regime in Africa, in South Africa, to accept these. Um, you know, to uh, accept the notion that there are people on the other side of the world who are extremely concerned about apartheid and that apartheid did have an effect on sport. And we know that politics has, has a massive effect on, on sports in this country even today. Now, there was, so there was huge division of people who were, you know, pro-sport, pro-rugby and, um, and uh, took great um, umbrage with the fact that... Um, is that uh, Māoris and New Zealanders had invaded the football field and and had dropped um, uh, you know paint bombs on the on the on the field and they were extremely angry. So it was a very divided, extremely volatile situation uh, around um, uh, rugby and around Patu. Uh, the 501 day 501 was best in point. If you recall, the context was that Muldoon. Um, was wanting to um, further subdivide land and sell it off to um, uh, to rich developers, but before that, uh, the Ngāti Whātua people had been basically had, were kicked off um, uh, their land, and um, their meeting house had been burnt down, if you recall, because it was an eyesore because the Queen of England was coming to New Zealand in the 50s, and. Um, and, there was, and it was ripe for development, you know, and people um, all over the country, um, I recall we had to drive up from Wellington to protest at uh, Bastion Point. But just as that was sort of igniting, uh, Raglan was developing as well. So there were a whole range of uh, land issues that were coming to the fore, and it uh, riled many New Zealanders. But the catch cry for Joe Hawke and them at that time was, not one acre more. In fact, it was um, Sina Cooper who was saying, "Not one acre more, you know, to be sold. Not one acre of land to be sold." So it was, you know, a very volatile decade of of uh, protest and demonstration and issues coming to the fore, and, and it was hugely divisive. And and Māori and Pākehā were were, you know, fields apart, if, if I could use that word, but. Um, and, um, you know, issues that had never been considered or being put up for public consideration or into the public arena were suddenly now on television, on radio, and dividing heaps of people. And yet, um, and Merita was in the middle of all of that. She was filming them. She was extremely brave, extremely courageous. Her cameraman was a man called Barry Harbert, and they had to chuck the camera from one person to the other to evade the police. And, uh, you know, they didn't tremendous amount of work and it was uh, and you know she her place her house was being raided and and her kids were, were there with her she brought up her kids and um and they were all traumatized by this um by this experience of police suddenly uh raiding the house looking for film you know film that had to be uh, secreted you know all sorts of different places to for for safekeeping but she managed to bring it all together again and then Edited to a seminal piece of, 
um, Patsu and um, in the Best in Point documentary. Uh, it was on the record, and there was no, you cannot dispute what happened up at uh, Best in Point. So it was fitting that um, Mirata uh, laid was um, laid in state at, at uh, Takaparafa, where she was instrumental in helping Ngāti Whātua to bring closure on on that part of their history. Merit is going to be greatly missed. She was a very clever, intelligent, um, vivacious person. She was, you know, someone, you know, who had this incredible, um, you know, engaging mind, and she was, she was fearless. She was courageous. She stood up for her principles, and that translates into all, all of her work. And I know, and it translates into her paharakeke, her, her children, who've all turned out to be wonderful, despite um, all the trauma that they were put up, uh, had to put up with uh, in that early history of her filmmaking and television experience. So she's going to be greatly missed, and we all loved her. Robert Paufare no Naituhoi talking about the late Meratamita who died on Monday and was buried at Pukehina this past Friday. Nareira e Mirata, Hariatura, Kiomatua Tupuna, Etatariana Mau. Spoken word, poetry slam, and performance poetry are some of the names associated with. Poetry. The Fresh Tour 2010 was created by the Toi Māori Aotearoa Literary Committee, Teha, and Ngapo Kaituhi Māori. The goal of the Fresh Poets Tour was to expose young audiences to different creative mediums, in this case, poetry. Tara Akio Rudolph is a member of the South Auckland Poets Collective and has been performing prose poems since she was 14. Troy Hunt is a musician whose poetry focuses on social and political issues. And Rawiri James, who uses his skills as an actor and scriptwriter to write poetry. Justine checked out their performance a couple of weeks before they headed to the Bay of Plenty to perform and run poetry workshops. Kia ora, guys. Kia ora. Kia ora. Okay, so Rawiri, tell me about your history in terms of um, spoken word. I mean, what is spoken word? So we, uh, I've actually joined um, sort of late in, late in the programme um, with Toi Māori, but um, for me... I've been writing for a long time and I did film school so I'm all about story and story structure and uh, you know good hero characters and that kind of thing so that was sort of the basis of my performance which is storytelling and a bit of, bit of music mixed in as well yeah mm. and Troy spoken word what does it mean to you um, I come from a songwriting background and I'd like to think that the words I uh, incorporate as part of my songs are poetic in their own right so largely what I was doing here tonight is um, saying my songs without music and um, hopefully including guitar for just a bit of dynamic in the, in our hour rather than sort of seeking my comfort zone of hiding behind a guitar and being able to check out the chords when it's getting a bit freaky, you know. Must have so. been an easy transition. I mean, it's not really, is it? It's just you've, you're a music writer. Yeah, yeah, so, so I've been doing that for a long time and into... writing a lot. I've got piles of books of just writing that aren't songs and so it was... Yeah, had a really great time. It's a real uh, awesome opportunity we've been given to be able to do this. And you know, so of the fresh crew, I'm sort of not the so fresh one. You know? <laughs> so, yeah. You're the you're the freshie. Yeah, freshie. 
And um, Tara been the only um, wahine in the Ropu. Yeah. Um, how long have you been? It, it seems as though you've been doing it for quite a while. Um, I started doing performance poetry with the South Auckland Poets Collective, Collective. up in Auckland, and um, that was four years ago four years gosh and um then when I came down here after doing a Honey Tufari tribute I got hooked up with Charlie Holland from Toy Māori and she introduced me to the Fresh tour and I was able to collaborate with musicians um, songwriters and create a, a literary tour man so you're the seasoned veteran here eh? <laughs> and this is the Fresh tour yeah. <laughs> so Tara you performed um, a number of poems or spoken word um, tonight mm-hmm. could you tell me um, I especially liked your Oh, to your best friend, your mum? Yeah, well, the 14-year-old poem was really hard because I'm the exact opposite of that. Um, But it took a lot of practice, and I think just really trying to be as honest as I can and not try just play a character, but find someone that I can relate to. Don't fade to black, don't fade to blend, redefining that set in stone, too staunch to move personality, shaping the foundation that is you, breaking the foundation that is your glue. Arms that slap and dance are cut by a quick snapshot, crop that short, cut that short, the muddle that smothers your legs, the tartel that covers your, your legs. My vision was a, a beautiful little Māori guy with a hoodie on and, and acne. And <laughs> but he, he, had, he, had, he had smooth moves. He was going to grow up and be beautiful. So that was, I was writing from his point of view, trying to speak out his truth. Um, same with all my other poems are inspired by very strong women in my life. Um, my mother, my, my best friend's mother, my best friend, my, my, all of my aunties. I've got numerous aunties, and they are all a really strong influence on my, my poetry. Mm. Kia ora, yeah. Tara. What about you, Dawadi? Where do you draw inspiration from? You had a little bit of a dual role thing happening the on stage yeah. tonight. Yeah, yeah. Um, for me, I kind of just write about... Uh, I sort of grew up... I'm very half-cast, and I had sort of the white angle and, and, the, and the darker angle, and I like to be able to integrate them and play them off against Did each other. Did you lean more to one? Did you lean more to one side? It depends on the situation, to be honest. Um, and I come from a predominantly white family with a Māori mother, so. Um, but I was quite easily adaptable to both sides of it, and, and I just like to mix it up and, yeah, depending on the situation, I'll, I'll go brown or I'll go white. This is Armageddon for real, September 11 for real. This is DC for real, for real, for real. You gotta trip the arm. It was she who blamed for running through the family reunion naked. Oh, it wasn't me, Mum. It was true. With spoken word, um, you have to let your guard down. I would imagine. I mean, you're you're standing up there in front of people, so um, you know, is there room to be? I imagine there's no room to be shy in what you guys do. Oh well, you know, you do get fuck em. I was, I was, you know, a little bit nervous beforehand, um, and the, the story that I had, although it is exaggerated, is is based on myself. So, you know, you're throwing all your insecurities and all your all your flaws up for everyone to to see but I, I use comedy more as a way to, to counteract that if people are laughing at it then I suppose it makes it easier for me to be able to say it So in terms of influence um, Troy, obviously um, you spoke quite powerfully about Stephen Wallace and um, that particular um, song um, were you affected by his death? Well he's my cousin, I come from Waitara um, 
Uh, I was living in Australia till five years ago, and I came back and um, I had a kōrero with Raywin Wallace's mum, and um, the, the journey she was on even five years ago and would still be on now, I mean, I cannot speak for a mum losing her boy, uh, but just just what it's been like for her and her whānau and, um, you know, sort of nothing to do with, with, with my sort of aspect, it's just a comment on, from me, what I feel about it, you know. Seven shots, one, two, the back, it's what he got, for swinging the bat and then take it. like Māori take, Māori cultures, the news to inspire? Um, I try not to go out of my way to do anything. Um, creatively, I just like to get words happening. Um, a lot of people think rhymes need to be at the end of the line and stuff like that. Well, for me, it's whatever rule you can come up with, uh, blow it away, it's meaningless. Um, and then do one with the rule and try and make it work. Um, there are real cliche ways of expressing thoughts and so I try to be aware of that but then you can get uh, very nerdy on it um, and work too hard to do this or that Yeah. so it's, it's trying to be free in your thinking, free in the flow of words, I try and create my own phrases sometimes. Like um, what was that poem about the plum? I wish I was a plum. Yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. well sometimes you can get very serious on, on what you're writing about and so <laughs> it's kind of a departure I want to be a plum in the sun the fat purple one, that's me. I could be the sole of a shoe. If someone squashed me, that's the least I could do. In my next life as a plum, in my next life as it comes. I could be the home for a buck and its family, and they could all feast in me. I'd rather be buck cracked than boots, but that's just me, there's no reflection on you. In my next life as a plum, in my next life as it comes. But it's serious in its own own right, you know, so... Um, but, you know, living on the Kapiti Coast, we've got uh, Apirana Taylor, he rocks, there's Hinemoana Baker up mm. there, uh, Dean Hapeta, who's been going hard for he's 20 years. Oh, he's mean, and so, you know, I get to go out and, and perform with these guys and, and see them. Uh, um, Apirana and Kupu this year up at Parihaka were just insane so Tikitani's on main stage and Apahat Posse were delivering the gig of the festival in my opinion and the energy and, and so I'm feeling you know really buzzing out to be living on the Kapiti coast and so influences everywhere um, trying to be you know creativity spurred by curiosity you know curiosity is the cure for boredom and just trying to um, look out without being judgmental without trying to preach to anybody, you know, it's just an expression and trying to sort of stay on that vibe. So do all of you have minds, like if you've got an idea for a spoken word in the middle of the night, like one o'clock in the morning, do you get up and write it down? Yeah. Yeah. Because yeah. 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 Inspira- yeah. inspiration, <laughs> inspiration will hit you when you least it. You can't, you can't book in a time yeah. to get inspired, so you just have to kind of roll with it. And yeah. any time it hits, you just write that stuff down. Carry a book with you always. Yeah. Book and paper and or pen. Or even on my phone. Yeah. I draft, yeah. Dr- all my drafts <laughs> and just random like, yeah. yeah, lyrics or story ideas. Yeah. Yeah. 
Um, and on that note, um, kia koutou. Thank you very much for your time. Kia ora, thank you. Ko Panigiri Toka Maunga, ko Waimako Toka Marae, ko Tūhoi Toka Iwi, ko Rawari James Toka Wakanga. Taruna ki te maunga, waitaru te awa, waifaitara te marae, ko choi tenei. Kia ora, um, my father's from Alamonoto, Apia Samoa. Um, my mother is from Ngāpohi Ngāti Whātua. Um, ko Tāratoko Ingoa. Nā mihi kia koutou, the fresh poets. For more information about Tara, Troy and Rawari, we've posted up some links on our webpage, radionz.co.nz forward slash te ahika. And don't forget, you can always email us feedback. I particularly enjoyed the ones I got last week. And you can do that by contacting us at tiahika at radionz.co.nz. That's T-E-A-H-I-K-A-A. I'm Mariah Rakraku. And I'm Justin Murray. And this is Tiahika. In the 90s, there were some Māori music groups at the time who performed around Aotearoa. They could be heard on the radio, on the iwi hit discs, on Tribal Stomp, <laughs> and they were forging careers, really. I'm talking about the likes of Tony Huata, Y100, or Manaripia and Marka McGregor, Ruia and Rania, and there was iwi. And in mentioning those names near Mariah, I mean, we have to acknowledge those who came before those artists, like... Galvania's Prime, Aotearoa, Prince Tuiteka, Ngui, Pewhairangi and the Pātia Māori Club who, by the way, as of this week's music charts, are number three. Which is largely due to the song Poye, featuring on the movie Boy. Over the next couple of weeks, Tahi Carr will profile some of the musicians that featured at Pao 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 that was held at Pipitea Marae in Wellington. Featured the likes of Lisa Tomlins, Rhea Hall, Tyna Keelan, Brannigan Carr, Tony Huata, and Horo Mona Horo. And Iwi, who else was emceeing the event but Kimo Winiata? Yep, and Kimo Winiata, he was a busy man that night, so I nabbed him for a quick korero and um, asked him where he's been. Justin Murray, uh, Te Ahika, Radio New Zealand National, at uh, Pao 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 2010. Te uh, uh, te. Te kaifakahairi o tēnei pō. Kia ora, Kimo. Tēnā koe, ngā mihi nui, kia koe. Kia ora. Um, me korero mai tō pepeha i te tuatahi? O tūtou, uh, he, 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 he wero tēnā. Uh, ki te tāho tōku pāpa, uh, ko tainu i te waka, uh, ko Ngāti Raukawa, uh, ko Ngāti Toa Ngā Iwi. Uh, engari, kia, kia huriau ki taku i tāho Ngāti Raukawa, uh, ko Ngāti Pari Raukawa te hapu, ko Ngāti Kowari te marae. Uh, ki te tāho tōku māma, uh, no te aroa waka aia, no Ngāti Whakaue, a me mā tātua ko Ngāti Awa hoki tērā. Tōra koe nga, uh, ngā hono ngā kai au. Um, Kimo Winiata, where have you been? <laughs> well, uh, that is a good question. Well, I've been a father. Um, for the last um, uh, ten years, my lovely partner has been looking after our kids while I gallivant around the country and doing a lot of TV things and a lot of musical stuff. And for the last five years, I thought, well, I better do a lot of making up and so I've been getting to know my kids and playing the role of a father so being in Nōtaki and loving being a father. And to 
some people who perhaps, um, um, well, they probably need reminding of, of, of Kimo Winniati, yourself. You um, used to host the Bikinara, um Way, way back. back. My, run or, um, my time on TV. And, but of course, before that, you're a kaiwaiata. Have you kept up that side of mahi? Well, um, Singing. I, I, I've been pretty lucky, actually. Um, I've been able to to keep up some waiata. And at the moment, I'm at Te Wānanga o Raukawa and um, I look after the audio-visual unit there. So that sort of means that I get to uh, muck around in the audio suite and it's actually a production suite. So I've been tutoring along, but as you can expect, you know, um, when you're doing a lot of um, creating of waiata, it takes a lot of time, if you want to do it properly. And, um, and so I haven't been able to dedicate the time it deserves, but um, now that the kids are getting a little bit older... Um, and, and they're getting a bit more freer, I'm able to um, spend and dedicate the time needed uh, to um, muck around the music. And, and plus, you know, um, I haven't been too far away from, from Ngā Mahi Pauaka Whakata. I've, I've been enjoying mucking around with uh, Tamaiti and, and all those fellas on, on Whatukura trying to give good advice. But um, I've never been too far, but I've been under the radar because of being a father and enjoying a dad. it. Yeah, being a dad. Kimo, in retrospect... When you look back to those those days um, when you were travelling the motu on, on on my time and performing with Iwi, what do you think of when you reflect back to those days? Well, I, I think that um, well, n- number one, how much music has developed since then, and and how many other kopapa inspired bands have developed since then, and using Te Reo Māori as a vehicle to to get their messages across. Um, I, I feel a bit saddened that we never. Uh, kept up with the momentum that we started back then. Uh, a lot of it was, um, and I shouldn't really say this, but um, was we never had a, a great relationship with our record label. And because of that... Um, it's not uncommon. Des- yeah, we decided, well, if we push the album, the album's successful, and you fellas are successful. So we sort of thought, you know, hayaha koto, and we didn't really push it and do the tours that we should have. And then the band got bigger, and um, and... The, the bigger you, you sort of get, the more different Fakaro comes in, and then dynamics change. Yes, and then next minute, you know, you know, you know, there's some people that start complaining about stuff and not showing up to get. So did it shift away from the original Kopapa and mindset yes. of what Iwi was? Yeah, it definitely did, and and, um, and that was one of the sad things because um, I think we sort of made an impression on a lot of people, not, not only just the young ones in, in the rangatai, but even a lot of our pakeke and kaumatua used to, I, I'm assuming here, enjoy this, uh, a lot of the waiata we used to do, only because I suspect it was, it was our usage of rārangi kōrero, the proverbs, and, and trying to deliver you know, a, a solid message. And it was infectious, the iwi sound caught on, moake, iwi, I mean, you know, iwi radio from way back in the day. We man, we saturated the airwaves with iwi, and it was also I think you brought a little bit of element of of that hip hop and American culture is always quite big in in, in Māori with Rio. It was like, damn, these guys are bringing two things that we love. Yeah, that was, well, that was my background. Um, um, I loved hip hop when I was a young fella. All, all the rest of the band members they sort of more grew up with reggae and R and B, whereas I grew up down here in Wellington City. Hip hop was my love. I went overseas and learned how to beatbox from different. Um, people over from, from the States and then came back here and, and it just sort of that was me and then because I was learning well not so much learning but I had a reasonable grasp of Te Reo Māori it was important for me to try and fuse the two together and, and, and if you can do it 
and also concentrate on the caliber of the music, well, then you can't go wrong. Okay. Kai tuatu kitira kimo um hemi mai o hatine a kia koe me motokoriro. Kai tu panga mai hoki kia koe o tira koutou kai te fakarongo mai. Kia ora. Kia ora. This is Kimo Buniata, and you're listening to Te Ahika Maudiora. Kia ora, Kimo Buniata. No tainui ngati raukawa me te arawa. Anaira a ana tapiata no ngati parau me te arawa with this week's fakatauki. Te toka tu moana, the rock standing in the ocean. This whakatauki is about permanency. No matter the trials and tribulations, the person or thing remains steadfast and resolute. Hey there, Wiki, next week. I talked to Brenda Close, a nurse for the last 20 years and is now involved with Na Manukura Mō Apōpō, a workforce initiative to get more Māori into nursing and midwifery. This afternoon there was a pōhiri at Waipapa Marae in Auckland University for the traditional knowledge conference that has been hosted by Ngā Pai o Te Maramatanga, Auckland University, check it out. Basically it's a who's who in the Māori and Indigenous research community what everybody's up to in terms of their work within their respective communities. So that's health, law, literacy, everything. The whole shebang. Mm. Full on. And don't forget Iwi Ma on the 14th of June, Te Ao Māori Heralds in the New Year, Matariki. And then we've got Te Wiki o Te Reo Māori, that's the end of July, right through until the first week of August. And the theme, the kaupapa, for this year is all about kai. He mihi tēnei ki a mātou kai kōrero i tēnei wiki. He mihi ki nga whānau a meratamita. Anō nei te mihi mai o hākita mātou kai rā wiki wiki mihi nei. Huki mai hei tērā rātapu. Māori ora tātou katoa.